music, would it? <laughs> Live from the Oxygen Community Studios, it is the Wolf and Luke Show. What is going on here? That is the question that I ask, based on audience. <laughs> that isn't the normal open, is it? What? Why isn't this the normal open? I have no idea why we're playing Metallica right now. I have absolutely no idea, but does it really matter, my friends? Because you're about ready to go cover a kickoff. They're going to flip a coin, ladies and gentlemen. They're going to bring out some dude who's got a funny face mask and a weird last name. He's going to kick the ball off, and they're going to run down the field like an unmitigated savage and blow somebody's face off in about three, two, and one. (laughs) Yeah! Well, we don't have a show open today. So this is our show open. Oh, man. I would say Aaron did a pretty good job finding a song on the fly. That's not bad right there, Mel. Not bad at all. Well played. This is also, I think, the music that was playing at the Phoenix Suns game last night. Not only during the first quarter, but uh, in the hallways leading up to the first quarter. Say something, Luke. No, I actually think the song can go 11 minutes if we're just gonna let it run. It's just so good, right there. Yes, Talaka. Um, That's okay, gone. you were talking it's about the Suns or something. What's up, Basin Ornings? How you doing, man? How you doing today? <laughs> Are you doing? all fired up. You know, you ready to go? Now now we're calm um, after that. It is calm right now. The calm before the coming storm, once again, for the Phoenix Suns. The all-star break is here. The calm is here for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, well, it didn't feel like that last night. <laughs> it did not. With the fight in the hallway before the game <laughs> and Devin Booker getting ejected for... Reasons I still don't fully understand, even though I've read the pool report and I've watched the replay like a thousand times and I was watching the game. I just, I don't know. But that was a weird way to go into the All-Star break, Wolf. And yet they went into the All-Star break with a win. They win by 16. They actually got outscored by 14 in the fourth and still won by 16. Beat the Pistons. They handled them pretty much the entire game. But yeah, Drew Eubanks got sucker punched before the game by Isaiah Stewart. And then Devin Booker got thrown out like five minutes into the game for talking to an official. Okay. Um, first of all, I'm not laughing because he got sucker punched by Isaiah Stewart. I'm not laughing that Drew Eubanks was sucker punched. I, I'm laughing be- because he was sucker punched and he's fine. And he still played <laughs> he still 18, more, 18 minutes in the game. And he still played. I mean, this to me, I, I, I'm smiling. I'm laughing inside because raise your hand right now if you've ever been sucker punched. Ladies and gentlemen, that <laughs> can't say I've ever been sucker okay, punched. Okay, if you've ever been sucker punched, it's something you'll never forget, right? Based on onions, you never will. Wherever you may be right now, you know what Drew Eubanks experienced. The the shock and the awe. You're gonna square somebody up, that's one thing. You're gonna get sucker punched by somebody, that's quite another. And you will not forget that feeling. Um a feeling of betrayal even though you shouldn't have any type of loyalty whatsoever, but to be bamboozled by somebody else where they're starting to throw haymakers in your face when you don't think it's going to go that way, it can be a scary thing, can it, Jordan Poole? Yeah, he would know. I mean, I've seen, I was there when somebody got sucker punched. It didn't seem fun, uh, but I've never actually been sucker punched, and I don't fully, I don't know how many people do fully know what happened last night yet? I'm sure. 
I'm sure there's footage somewhere of this. That's gonna. There's footage of everything everywhere, Wolf, in 2024. Yeah, yeah this is, you know, again, um, this is a situation where before a game, the intensity is high. You would imagine professional athletes getting ready to go, especially a guy who's a banger like Drew Eubanks. Um, you know, Isaiah Stewart as well. These guys, it's not like Isaiah Stewart is a stranger to any type of... Of nah, altercation, he's, been the occasional he's, altercation he's had before. that altercation that is out there, of course. So maybe you know they, there was some type of conversation that happened before this game, and it. <laughs> I would hope there was some sort of conversation. I, well, you can't just walk up and punch somebody you don't know, right? I mean, that would be the ultimate sucker punch, right there. Yeah, that's true. Well, uh, we'll get more into that throughout the show. Certainly, the Devin Booker ejection could have thrown the Suns off. You said something in the pre-show meeting that I, I think is probably pretty accurate. Uh, you said the Booker ejection has to at least be somewhat tied to the weird atmosphere in the first quarter, right? I mean, I don't remember a lot of games where, okay, here we go, we're going to tip off. There was already a fight in the hallway before the game between two teams that never play each other. Now we're going to pretend that we're not all on edge? Like, that that felt like there was a weird vibe. There's no doubt about it, Luke. It had to be. Um, This is a situation, Mel, correct me if I'm wrong on this, okay? But uh, Isaiah Stewart was arrested? Yes. He was arrested. Arrested. I mean... Okay. It's not typically how NBA games start. <laughs> think about that for a minute right now. Yeah. Do you think the, the officials, they knew what was going on? Do you think the referees knew, well, yes, say yes, Mason Onions, because they knew what had happened. And here it is, um, the All-Star break, the last game before the All-Star break, and it's the Detroit Pistons. Look, there's Monty. <laughs> Monty's walking in, everybody. Wave to Monty. Oh, yeah. Remember that storyline? Isn't line? that great? Yeah. yeah you know, buried and, before and the game all of a started. sudden, there's a, a fight where a guy is arrested before the game. Um, yeah, you don't actually see a lot of that. You don't hear about a lot of that. An altercation that might happen before the game. Yeah, yeah, I, I get it. Sometimes the tunnel is very, very narrow. Yeah, it's usually. I mean, this is totally redefining the term tunnel time, right? I mean, this, <laughs> it is. this is not what's supposed to happen in the tunnel before the game. Usually, it's it's two guys that have a history, though. Like if you had told me, hey. Nurk and Draymond Green got into a scuffle in the tunnel before the game. I would still say, okay, that's kind of weird. That's typically not how this plays exactly, out. But yeah. at least I know those two don't really like each other very much. Yeah, it just, man, there, there's a lot of it going on. So the the referees knew exactly what they were faced with coming into this game. And, you know, I think that may have had something to do with Devin Booker getting ejected and not taking any type of lip from anybody. They were, what, how many fouls did they call? 16 in that first quarter? I mean, yeah. they were on it. So it's a situation where it's it's not really that surprising that he got ejected because they were on point. That honestly is the best explanation I have heard because no other explanation really justifies it. You know, and I know, I know, I get get it. It's a radio station in Phoenix. We're always going to say, oh, Devin Booker shouldn't get thrown out. But I, I mean, well, if we got to the point where I was watching it, I was watching like people's footage that were sitting at the game. Like I was trying, like, is there something that we're not seeing? And I'm looking at this like, this happens in every NBA game, and you threw you threw one of the best players in the game out. Yeah, right. It it, it just there's got to be. There's got to be more to it, and I think what you're saying probably is that more. The officials are probably like, this This is already 
like we're one step away from a fight between these two teams. We already had one. We and they they probably overcompensated. In fact, they did because they, they could her out and they should. Can you imagine just right now, brothers, wherever you are, Luke? Think about this, Mal. Think about this, Rick. Oh no, no, Rick. Okay, th- wherever Rick is, but wherever you are, when you think about this, you're sitting there before the game. You're you're the referees, and you're having a conversation, and there's four walls and a door. Okay, you're in this room by yourself, and you're looking at each other, and you know this has happened before the game. Oh man, there, a guy was just arrested from the Pistons before the game because he sucker punched a son. And this guy's going to go out and play. This, this Phoenix Sun's going to go out and actually play. Well, you, Isaiah Eubanks, Stewart's not going to play. Eubanks said it was a soft punch. He wasn't going to play point. anyways. But still, you yeah. know, you think about that. What are you going to do? Are you going to go out there and think, we're, we better seize control of this game? Yes. We'll uh, we'll get more into all this. Uh, obviously, we'll have the... Um you know, we, we've we've got audio from the evening. Kellen Olson's going to join us uh, later on in the show. We're also going to talk to uh, Luis Gonzalez and Andre Turney too. Pro- pro- probably not about this, but we're going to talk to them as uh, as well. Um, when we come back, which storylines are you most interested in with this 2024 Diamondbacks team? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, everybody, it's Bernsey. The excitement around this year's Diamondbacks team is at an all-time high. So what roster decisions still need to be made for the NL champs? It's the Burns and Gambo Show, and it starts at straight up 2 o'clock. I'll turn this up. I'll just keep (laughs) saying. (laughs) What's up, E? What's up, Eric Turner? Love you, bro. Miss you. Sorry about that, Luke. I'll, uh, you should honestly, though, like at some point, you're going to have to like DJ a music show somewhere. <laughs> you know what? Maybe an overnight somewhere, right? Just, even if just, you just do it for a night. Just go up there. What are you doing? What are you listening to? This is what he loved right here. Eric Turner. Google it, my young cross. We already got your DJ name, remember? DJ Flow. It's Wolf Backwards. It sounds like something you'd hear in a, in a club. Crunk. Obviously, you know that. Yeah. But no, you can't be DJ Crunk. That doesn't work. You that doesn't work. Flow, okay, no. yeah. No, I don't think so. Uh, what I was going to say is I'm going to keep just counting down till next Friday because that is the first spring training game for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And you know, honestly, Wolf, there's like a, there's a lot of storylines with this team right now. Yeah. Dude. Oh, you're so good. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Guys. Well, <laughs> so many storylines. Yeah, so many. Do. You're going first, An Luke. Impromptu power pull. All right, are you ready for this? Probably no, not because it's I'm impromptu. <laughs> number five. All right, number five. Um, Try to put these in reverse order in my head. You know what? Here, Wolf, I'll start here. The rivalry with the Dodgers that spilled over into the postseason wasn't really much of a contest in the postseason. Then spilled over into the offseason where the Dodgers spent $1.2 billion. (laughs) They will meet 13 times this regular season, and they are in the same division. So maybe now more than ever, the rivalry with the Dodgers. Okay, uh, forgive me on this one, base earnings, but I'm going to have to go individual at first. There's an individual story here, a couple of them that... I'm going to start with number five, of course. Number five. Will our dude, Zach Gallen, win the Cy Young? Oh, that's a good one. That is a storyline going in. When will we see 
him win the Cy Young. We all expect him at some point in time in his career to actually win one of these. He was in the running last season, all season long. Got a lot of a lot of people thought he was going to win it until the last six weeks, maybe, yeah. of the season. He finished third. He was the front the runner voting. for a while. Yeah, he finished third in the voting overall. So, Zach Allen. And when will Zach Allen win that Cy Young? I'm looking on FanDuel right now. He is he's fourth in odds to win the Cy Young, the NL Cy Young. Because Spencer Strider, Zach Wheeler, Logan Webb. Zach Gallon. That's where they have it right now. Yes. Okay. okay. On to number four. Number four. Four. Number four for me, Wolf, is how does this team handle the expectations? I know I've referenced this a few times. Their over-under in Vegas really isn't very high. It's, It's lower than their win total from last year. But people are well aware of this team, and especially like if they get off to a good start this season, um, there's expectations. There's there's a ton of expectations locally. I think there's going to be more nationally as the season goes on, or even just as we get closer to the season. They were in the World Series last year, and you know internally they have their own expectations, which if I'm on the team, my expectation is World Series because I got there last year. Yeah. That's realistic or not. But who knows? Like, Do you handle the expectations? Do you embrace them? Do they step into that role, or would they be more comfortable as underdogs? We'll find out. Yeah, that is, that's a good one right there, Luke. Once again, I'm going individual. The first couple of ones right here, individual storylines headed into the summer. Ooh, the summer of 2024 for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Will Corbin Carroll win an MVP this year? Now I <laughs> How about that office? right there? I'm just saying right now, right? Uh, this kid, oh man, this dude is seemingly impervious to being complacent or resting on his laurels at all. Needs to continue, I think, to get better when it matters the most, but you would imagine a little aging, a little time, a little experience is going to help him tremendously going forward. Can Corbin Carroll finish that MVP season this year? We'll see. Corbin Carroll on FanDuel is eighth in MVP odds. It goes, got him. It goes Acuna, uh, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Shohei, Fernando Tatis Jr., Matt Olson, Bryce Harper, Corbin Carroll. Look, those first two stories, if I do say so myself, base earnings, they are legitimate stories coming into this spring training. Corbin Carroll and Zach Gallon. Right now, right on, on February 15th, which one do you think is more likely to happen? Forget FanDuel, forget uh, anything. I just, just, I just have to go with Zach Gallon. I think so, too. It's, I, it, MVP is tough. Right, man. MVP is so hard, man. It really, really is. Cy Young, of course, is very, very Not difficult. Not like it's easy, yeah. But I think Zach Gallon at 28 right now, he's primed. He's ready. He's ready to go. Number three. Three. All right, number three for me, Wolf, is where does Jordan Lawler fit on this team? One of the top prospects in baseball. Honestly, this might be number one for me, but I have it at number three. Um, I just, if if he ends up being as good as expected, you're going to have to find somewhere to play him. And sometimes this stuff just works itself out. I understand that, but like, there's a reason they made the World Series last year, and, you know, for all intents and purposes, they made it without Jordan Lawler contributing on the field. So, like, guys like Geraldo Perdomo and this infield, like, they had pretty solid roles carved out. Uh, it's just, it's going to be interesting. I know you can get creative. You can kind of move guys around, and maybe you play a certain number of games at this position, and then you play a little bit less at this position. You can still get, like, 140-ish games. I don't know. We'll see when he truly breaks in. 
but where he fits and how quickly he is major league ready is is uh, at the top of my list. Okay. By um, at the top, I mean number three. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> okay, number three, ladies and gentlemen. Um, give me number three. Just fire that number thing three. Off you like right number there. three I, for I, some I, reason. I number three. Okay, what off-season acquisition or reacquisition will have the biggest impact on the summer of 2024 for the Arizona Diamondbacks? That's right, there's a number of them. As we all know, Jock Peterson, of course, is one of how big of an impact might he have? Eduardo Rodriguez. Oh, abandon all hope, ye who enter here. What kind of impact is he going to have? Lourdes Gurriel Jr., a reacquisition, and Eugenio. 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 Did I get it? I nailed it. Eugenio Suarez as well. Which offseason acquisition is going to have the biggest impact right now? I think I have to go with Eduardo Rodriguez. I think he's going to put everything in order with that rotation and Brandon fought at number four. You got to fight for your right. Well, to be in this rotation. One of these days, you're going to say a Eugenio Suarez name, and you're just going to get stuck saying it over and over again. All right, that leads nicely into number two. For me, is the rotation, because to me, Wolf, this is the biggest difference between last year and this year, improvement-wise. And I think it shows itself more so in the regular season, actually, than maybe the playoffs, because Brandon Fott was so solid in the playoffs last year, and you only really need three starters. But now that you have Eduardo Rodriguez, and who emerges as the number five starter, and you know Brandon Fott may be your number four, but does he pitch like a two or a three? The rotation is number two for me. Boy, that is good right there, Luca, but not where I'm going right now. Number two, Basin audience, how much better can this young talent get? How much better can they get? The best offseason acquisition the Diamondbacks have is time. Because time allows these young guns, these minds to reflect on their experience from last season. To think about what they experienced, what they faced, what they overcame, what they didn't overcome, and how they can get better. Oh my goodness, when it's just them in the shadow creeping across their ceiling at night and they're thinking about this stuff, that's where you get better. How much better will this young talent be? Corbin Carroll, Gabby Moreno, Alec Thomas, Geraldo Perdomo, Brandon Fott, Jordan Lawler, Jake McCarthy. Number one. Numero uno. Unbelievable. All right, for uh, for number one, it's a lot of what you just said, Wolf. All of the young talent. But I'm going to go specific here just to be a little bit different from you and also because really if you're talking number one storyline, I don't know how Corbin Carroll gets better. I, like, I don't know what that looks like, but I think he will. But why it's my number one storyline is I really can't conceptualize what that looks like. Is that a 30-60 season? Yeah. Is that winning MVP? I, 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 if he just wants to do what he did last year, I think we'd all be plenty happy with that. Yes, okay, I would say number one quickly, can the Diamondbacks finish what they started last season? The National League champions are a better team now than they were in the World Series. Oh, yeah, that's number one. Yeah, how often does that happen where a team that gets to the World Series is better the next year? Uh, 
have you subscribed? Oh, sound effects. Have you subscribed to the Wolf and Luke Show podcast? Subscribe right now on your iPhone or Android. You will never miss any of the show. It's the Wolf and Luke Show podcast brought to you this week by your Valley Chevy dealers. All right, we come back. Things got weird last night for the Suns at the Footprint Center. We'll get into all of it now. Next, it's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's Vince coming up on Friday. We'll get you ready for Mac McClung and his defense of his slam dunk title in Indianapolis. God help us. Bickley Murata mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, welcome back to the show. It is Wolf and Luke on a Thursday morning. Suns get the win last night, Wolf. They did exactly what Bradley Beal said they had to do. They won the last two games before the All Star break. By the way, did you see Mikel Bridges last night after the Nets lost by 50? No. He wasn't super pleased. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Uh, and he shouldn't be. They lost by 50. Um, but the Suns, they get it done against uh, against Sacramento and Detroit. So even though Bradley Beal couldn't play in, uh, in basically either of the two games, he got to play five minutes in the first one. And then even though Devin Booker couldn't play last night after five minutes because he got tossed, they still end up going into the break with those two wins and... They're on a pretty nice run now since uh, since that Christmas loss to the Dallas Mavericks. They are what nineteen and seven. That's, nineteen and seven. That's not bad. That's it's, right. Nineteen and seven right now. They got it rolling, and you know, honestly, maybe the All Star break is coming at the worst time. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's coming at a good time for Bradley Beal. That in that sense, like this is True. your best chance to to kind of get him back in uh, in line. Now, like I said. Um, we're going to have Kellen Olson on later on the show, but I, I'm going to I'm just going to read you this quote from because Kellen was the poll reporter last night, and he so one of the, the last questions that was asked with uh, with the crew chief was did the pregame events impact at all that uh, you know Devin Booker getting tossed and the crew chief said flat out no all the decisions made were based on what was going on and the merits of the game. So to me, that That's was what the crew chief is going to say. Yeah, and I understand that, but I, I feel like that was their out. To, I, it would have been a lot more understandable to me to be like, "Hey, look, somebody just got arrested. One of the players just got arrested before the game. We're gonna be a little tense out here and make sure nobody gets too far out of line." Um, but that would have made a lot more sense to me than he kept complaining, so we threw him out five minutes in. Like, how much yeah. can you really complain in five minutes? Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. To answer your question right there, I'm trying to think of. If that ever happened in my 10 years in the NFL, if it ever happened where there was a brawl before a game, there was not a brawl before the game. There was not. But I can tell you right now, there, on the field, of course, there, there are fights mm-hmm. that happen. And back then, there were bench-clearing brawls <laughs> that would happen in an NFL game. And I actually was involved in one of those bench-clearing brawls. But... I'm trying to think. Um, there was maybe in warm-ups, too, before a game. Maybe in warm-ups, but never in plain street clothes. Never walking into a game did I ever see or even hear of anyone getting into a fight. Yeah, man, I'm really I'm really trying to think. I mean, there's... I but think- to have a guy actually involved in that altercation, in a fight... That gets arrested Especially before the game. Well, before yeah, before the, the, game? the game. Like I'm trying. There's been a couple in hockey. Like after the game, guys are in street clothes. But it's not. It's different going into the game. And the Drew Eubanks played in yes. the game. And I was told Isaiah Stewart was not going to play anyways. Correct? 
Yes. I believe so, he yes. does. Yeah. Okay, so here's uh, let's just skip ahead to that then. Here's Drew Eubanks uh, before the game. Uh, he was asked what exactly happened. Just walking in, uh, words were said, and got sucker punched, and security stepped in, and, and that was it. Did you ever have anything with him? Just basketball yeah. shit. Stuff that goes on in the court. But nothing personal nah, that, that nah, would nah. make you think that he would do that? Nah, I mean, no. He could. You can see what he does. Like... How we act on the court, so it's right. surprising. So you were in street clothes. Yeah. Coming to do your job, and all of a sudden, homeboy just, homeboy just comes out of nowhere from behind. No, basically, we were walking in, words were said, and then got face to face, and then just sucker punched me. Then security got in the way. Okay. Are you expect, Are you concerned about the night, considering? No, I won't play. You are good, though, no damage yeah, or anything? No, no, no. That's a soft punch. Soft punch. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of like, a lot of stuff around the Suns lately where it's just, here's a little shot right as we're out. Uh, yeah, can I just say, this kind of makes me think that Drew Eubanks has been in a couple of knuckle busters, if you know what I mean. Well, <laughs> it's just, next time we have him on I mean, the show, we can seems, ask him. See, uh, yeah, exactly. He seemed pretty mellow when we that's had him on be, in, in media lead. day. Hey, Drew, when you were growing up, I don't know, in fifth grade, did you have any problems in the boys' bathroom? You know, just jacking somebody. Well, that one apparently was uh, was put in the soft punch category by Drew Eubanks. Now, here's Frank Vogel after the game when he found out about all this. Yeah, when I got here, you know, I got here shortly around when it happened. And, um, you know, there's no place for anything like that in our game. There's no place for it. Um, but I don't, we have we released a statement as a team. I don't have anything really more to add to that. It's got to be a real strange way to come in as a coach, right? Okay, I'm here. I'm at work. Hey, no. Frank, what's going on? Hey, random person. That's uh, great to see you. Hey, uh, one of your players just got sucker punched and the other guy got arrested. <laughs> have a good game. <laughs> that, is so, that is so bizarre right there. It really is. Um, you know, um, yeah, the bad blood that is there. And did it impact the Phoenix Suns? At all. I think Book was on point. There's no doubt about it. I think um, probably some other sons as well. Yet, at the same time, um, I didn't think Devin Booker deserved to be ejected from that game. But when you get teed up twice, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. um, The whole thing was weird because you also have the, you have Monty Williams coming back to Phoenix. As the, as the backdrop to all this, right? And so the Suns put out their statement as Frank Vogel, uh, you know, he just alluded to right there. And then Monty Williams said it's, quote, irresponsible, unquote, for the Suns to use the word unprovoked in their statement. Uh, he said, I think until you find out everything, you can't make those statements. I'm assuming somebody knows a lot more than they're letting on right now. I'm assuming there's video footage of what happened somewhere, and I'm sure they're still looking into it, whatever. But when you throw in the fact that this isn't just a, a, a random team coming to town, this is the guy who was your coach for the last, what, four or five years, and it was he was an integral part of you turning your franchise around. And before the game even starts, yeah. he has to talk about one of his players sucker-punching one of your players. Man, I, I, I would love to just talk to Drew. Eubanks, just n- not on air. <laughs> just kind of like sit down and go, dude. What? Honestly, what happened? Well, do you still have Kevin Durant's phone? You could probably call him from there. <laughs> what happened? You know, I mean, honestly, w- what was going on right there? And um, there's got to be more to it. And and how far did it go? Did you take a punch at him after he sucker punched you? Or you know what happened? How quickly was security? Maybe security. 
They were eyewitnesses that they to what must happened. have jumped. I, I Maybe be, it wasn't just a camera. Maybe you had eyewitnesses that saw it. I can't imagine getting sucker punched and then just standing there and being like, <laughs> like you're going to fight back unless unless security jumped in and broke it up. Instantly. Exactly. That's yes, what I want to know. How quickly did they break it up? Uh, here is um, here's Frank Vogel on Devin Booker getting ejected so early in the game. Yeah, they just said he, you know, they asked him to stop whatever his complaint was, and he didn't stop, so they teed him up. And then he said something else to the other official, and he ran him out. It's just freaking ridiculous. The total BS. Um, you know, as to take a star player out of the game, I've seen see worse worse than what he did on a nightly basis. <laughs> like, like not I've seen it before. I see it every night. So unprecedented. Those are good good officials uh, that were on the game tonight. But you know that was certainly uncalled for and BS. Yeah. Look, I um, I, I, it's what he just said there towards the end of like you see this every night, and and it just kind of goes uncalled. That that I think is what's tough for Suns fans. Of like, I'm, I'm sure Booker was complaining. Booker is this is not the well, first time he's ever complained. But you know, I don't know. Ninety five percent of NBA players complain. Like the only ones that really don't are like. Mikel Bridges. Yeah. That's about it. Well, you know, I aren't there magic words that are said? Aren't there magic words that exist where if you say those words, you're gonna be you're gonna be run. Yeah. Uh, aren't there magic words? Is it possible that book I, I'm just saying the smoldering Devin Booker actually may have used the magic words? I, I have no idea, but I do know even in the game of football, if if you if you dropped F bombs based on the ins at all towards a, an official, you're getting it. It, it doesn't matter what ha- you're going to get the flag and it's going to be thrown on you. Period. But that's one thing. I mean, yeah, I'm fine if you tee him up, but you throw him out of the game five well, if minutes. If you keep in, doing it, guess what? Just you're uh, going to be run. Trying to summarize a pool report quickly going to break is dangerous, but I'm going to do it. Uh, they they asked the uh, the crew chief. The first technical was apparently about continuance to continuance to complain. So he complained. They asked him to stop. He okay. apparently continued to complain. That was the first technical. They asked if the second technical was uh, continuance again, and they said, no, the second technical foul was for disparaging remarks he made towards a game official, and then he was ejected for the second one. There you go. Doesn't say it's the language. Disparaging. Well, but, it, what, well, disparaging remarks... Yeah, I'm sure he said the magic word. I just feel like usually usually you roll that all together into one technical. You know, you're like, hey, okay. No, I don't know. It was quick. Uh, okay, when we come back, what exactly led to the 49ers moving off from uh, from Steve Wilkes just days after the Super Bowl? We'll dive into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Everybody, Dan Bickley here, and we do not have a football Friday for you tomorrow, but we've got a jam-packed show about our Diamondbacks and our sons heading into All-Star Weekend. Join us at 6 o'clock on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I came out towards the end of the show yesterday, Wolf, something that you kind of suggested we keep an eye on two days ago based on Kyle Shanahan's reaction to some stuff during the actual game on Sunday. But Steve Wilkes is out as San Francisco's defensive coordinator after just one season. So like I said, we got to touch on it briefly yesterday, but now that you've had 24 hours to kind of let this sink in, it's odd. 
there's really no other way to look at it. The defensive coordinator for a team that, uh, I'm just saying on the surface, defensive coordinator for a team that had one of the best defenses in the NFL this season. They were, they were third in points allowed. Yes. They get all the way to the Super Bowl. It, in terms of allowing points to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, they gave up 25 in a game that went all the way through the end of overtime. On on paper, that's not going to get you fired. Yeah. Oh, man, I, I don't know what happened here at Basin Earnings. I really don't. And I don't think there's many people that do. I think this is a very, very small circle of people that really, really, truly understand and know the depth as to why Steve Wilkes was fired. But here's my guess. This firing had nothing to do with the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's my guess right now. I mean, what, you're going to fire a defensive coordinator that allowed 19 points in regulation to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs? 19 points? I, you're going to fire a guy whose defense allowed three points in the first half to the Kansas City Chiefs? I, no way in the world. The number three scoring defense in the National Football League this season. You're going to fire a guy because of the What happened? What happened between Kyle Shanahan and Steve Wilkes? That's the question I have. So, like, what complicates this is is you, like I said, you mentioned this on the show Tuesday of like, hey, you know, look at, look at, you pointed to one specific play. It was an overtime, right? Where the Niners had a specific defense out there and Kyle Shanahan's like, no, time yes. out. Like, we're not running this yes. defense. And Tony Romo, to his credit, was yeah. the guy who pointed it out. Yeah. Um, so, when Kyle Shanahan said this Tuesday, and I heard it after the show, I was like, oh, okay, I guess maybe that's settled. Uh, right, I haven't talked to anybody yet, so yeah, I expect all our coaches to be back. He was asked, will Steve Wilkes be back next year? And, and so this was his response. Uh, right, I haven't talked to anybody yet, so yeah, I expect all our coaches to be back. So then yesterday on his conference call, this is how Kyle Shanahan opened it. There's a couple things yesterday that... Um, wasn't ready to talk about yet because I wasn't sure which direction I was going to go, but I'm uh, sleeping on this for a few nights and I'm um, trying to make come up with a few tough decisions. But this morning I um, relieved Steve Wilkes of his duties. Um, going to end up making a change here, defensive coordinator. And um, really tough decision because really um, says nothing about Steve as a man or as a football coach. I mean, he's exactly what we wanted as a man. Uh, he is a great football coach. Um, but just where we're going and where we're at with our team um, from a scheme standpoint and things like that, um, looking through it all throughout the year, through these last few days, um, I felt pretty strongly that this was a decision that was best for our organization. And even though it was one I didn't want to make, um, it was something that um, once I realized that I think a different direction is what's best for our organization, um, then it's something that I have to do. So uh, I let him know this morning, and I know I wasn't able to let you guys know yesterday because I wasn't sure about it yesterday. Um, but I am now, and um, that's the case, and I want to let you guys know firsthand. He fired Steve Wilkes. That's what he did. Why he fired? He gave the excuse right there. They're going in a different direction. <laughs> that's, you know what, honestly, um, that's the class act that I think Kyle Shanahan is. Um, I'm not saying he's lying by any stretch of the imagination. I don't believe that he is. But at the same time, going in a different direction, you know, is is not specific. And it's the thing they actually tell you when they let you go from a lot of places, including yeah. the National Football League, when you're a player. You know, hey, listen, we think you're good. You're just not 
a good fit for our scheme. Yeah, we're, we're going okay, in a different direction. Okay, that's what they direction. tell you. Well, what direction are you going in? Maybe I could go in that direction. It's not that's, that hard. I know, and I'm not saying this isn't really a laughing matter, and forgive me for laughing about it, but I'm just saying that, you know, it's always Kyle Shanahan's taking the high road, and that does not surprise me at all. So, and we'll never know the answer to this, but I started this segment. You know by, what? I, I think you will. Well, no, you don't know what the question is. <laughs> oh, no, no. Oh, okay, yeah. I thought you were talking about this no, no, situation. No, I think we will at some point I, in time. I think we will, too, but I don't know that we'll know the answer to the question I'm about to ask. Yes. And I know I started the segment by saying it's odd. You get to the Super Bowl and you hold Patrick Mahomes to 19 points of regulation yeah. and 25 through overtime, and then you're you're fired a few days later. What if they had stopped the Chiefs in overtime and won the Super Bowl? I told you. I believe it was off air. I told you. I believe Steve Wilkes could be dismissed. Even if they win the Super Bowl. That would have been really strange. It's just a situation where, once again, look at the talent the 49ers have, especially on the defensive side. Oh, yeah. Of the ball. Oh, you're 100% when, when right. You, when you look at that talent right there. And the reason why I said this, Basin Orleans, but, you know, we, we heard there was a dust up between Kyle Shanahan and Steve Wilkes earlier in the season. There, there was a. There was a little dust up. Let's put it that way. And just watching Kyle Shanahan, watching his reaction in the postseason to some of the defensive plays that were allowed, and I'm talking about some pretty mundane defensive plays, like a team lining up and attacking the line of scrimmage in between the tackles and gaining eight yards on a play and moving the chains for a first down. And that they'd show Kyle Shanahan from time to time, if you go back and look at it, and you can see him with a stink face yeah. shaking his head back and forth when the defense would be on the field from time to time. <laughs> you know, for me, I, I, I get it. Okay, he's not happy in what he's seeing. I, I understand that. But, man, um, to me, there was a number of notable moments where you could see him doing that. It, and. It, I mean, now that you say this, it, it almost sounds like like there's not being on the same page, and then there's like you're just looking for something to go wrong. Like the relationship has gone that bad. We we're like, oh, we just gave up eight yards. I knew this would happen if we ran this defense. Why is this guy still here? You know, because I I don't totally disagree with what you're saying. If they had won the Super Bowl, I mean, if they were going to go in a different direction anyway, what's what's really the difference other than a Super Bowl, which sounds crazy? If they stop the Chiefs on that one last drive, I mean, it, it, it seems like if nothing else, they Kyle Shanahan would have been ready to move off him if anything went wrong next year, right? It did, I don't know that just stopping Patrick Mahomes on one drive, albeit the biggest drive of the season, would have salvaged everything if Kyle Shanahan felt that way for a lot of the yeah. season. And then, what is that conversation like then? Well, I'm sorry, we're going in a different direction. Um we're all going in the same direction. We just won a Super Bowl. Yes. Like, that, that that's your comeback at that point. Yeah, you know, I, I just think the talent on the 49ers defense, and we were all really surprised that the 49ers weren't a better defensive team. And when I say that, I'm talking about in terms of dominant shutdown, not giving up any yards. And we, once again, number three scoring defense in the National Football yeah. League. But you've got guys like Chase Young, you got guys like Javon Hargrave. By the way, Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, uh, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner. Dre Greenlaw. You've got Hall of Fame players. You got possibly four Hall of Fame players on that side of the ball. Now, I know they lost 
uh, Talanoa Ufango. I know they lost him, and he he is a pro bowl. He is this guy is an awesome. Um, strong safety, and yet they, they've got a very good defense that had, what, four Pro Bowlers and five alternates, mm-hmm. five alternate Pro Bowl players, nine guys on that side of the ball. I think maybe Kyle Shanahan, in the end, believed that, you know what, um, they needed better. When we come back, how are the Diamondbacks going to handle the heightened expectations of last season's World Series run? We're going to ask D-backs legend Luis Gonzalez. He'll join us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.